Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Turn them in your Bibles to John chapter 14. We're continuing a series we started last week uh, called What's After ATX? What's After ATX? And this series is based on this book called Imagine Heaven that was written by, actually written by a local pastor here named John Burke. And this book, Imagine Heaven, is absolutely amazing. I love this book. It has um, opened my eyes in so many ways to the realities of heaven. This book by John Burke, he, he interviews um, over a thousand people who've had what, what are called near-death experiences, NDEs. But these near-death experiences are not, uh, I almost died. These near-death experiences are someone died and they came back to life. Like literally doctors say that they're dead, like flatlining, like they're dead and they come back and then they, he interviews them about their experiences. Last week, we, we talked about how um, there will be a day where we leave our natural temporary tent that we call a body, and we will enter into an eternal building, an eternal home that God has designed, a glorious body. This is why we're told that we never die, <laughs> and it's not because our bodies don't die. Our bodies are wasting away daily, and they, they will be destroyed, but our, who we really are is a spirit, and that spirit will come out of a natural body and go into a, an eternal body, and therefore, we will never die. And so we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to address the overused, undervalued, and vague term that we've all used, we've all heard, especially around the time whenever someone that we know or someone that we love has, has lost someone, right? Like this term that we've all said because we don't really know what to say, and I get it. I understand it. I've said it myself, and I've heard it said to people that I know, and, and, I, and I understand why. But this term has been so overused, and it's so vague and it's kind of lost its power. Um, and, and it really, a lot of times now falls flat. And y'all know this term whenever somebody loses their own, right? Like, well, they're truly in a better place. You know, they're in a better place. And we want that to be comforting. And, 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 I, and I think even the person who hears that, even in that moment, they understand what it is that we're trying to say. But because it's been so overused and without any power, it's become vague and it's often not, doesn't accomplish what we intended for it to accomplish. I want to start this morning by, by telling you a story um, and reading parts of it from this book. Uh, this, there was a man named Jeff who him and his wife, Tamara, they had a, a four-year-old son named Spencer. They had a 14-month-old son named Griffin. And one day they're, they're riding in Jeff's red pickup truck. They're going about 75 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, uh, Jeff drives the car off of the, 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 um, off of the ledge of the highway. And, and Jeff tells this story that they abruptly fall off the, the shoulder of the highway and Jeff felt himself slip out of his body. And, and when you read through um, this book, if you do, and I'd, I'd encourage you to read this book, uh, you hear this a lot, people slipping out of their body, 
so many amazing stories of people coming out of their body and seeing what was happening in an, in an emergency room or seeing what was happening um, around them. Or, you know, there's a story in here about someone who, who uh, I think dr- the, they crashed their car into a body of water and they come up and they see, you know, people coming in to rescue them. Just phenomenal, supernatural events. But Jeff comes out of his body and, and he sees... Uh, his car and this truck and all of a sudden, here's what he says. He says that he slips out of his body and he was encircled with light, a bright white light that seemed to be energized with pure, unconditional love. He says, I was calm. Peace infused this almost tangible light. I realized that all the pain was gone. Jeff's trying to figure out like where he is. He feels this. He sees this. And, and he says the next thing is he, he feels the touch of his wife, Tamara. And, and Tamara, his wife, is, he can physically feel her touching him. And, and she says, hey, you, you can't stay here. You can't stay here. You have to leave. You cannot stay here. And Jeff is saying, like, this place feels more like home than any place I've ever been. I feel more alive right now than I've ever felt. I feel more peace and more calm and more joy. He's like, but she's like, you can't stay. You cannot stay. You have to go back. And Jeff says he doesn't want to go back, but he eventually realizes that he must go back. And he can physically feel her touch. He can see her tears. He can feel her tears. But he realizes he has to go back. And Jeff says that he puts his forehead to her forehead and he tells her that he loves her. And as soon as he says that, he's back in his truck. And his, his four-year-old son, Spencer, is in the back seat crying. But in his truck... His wife and their 14th month old son, Griffin, are dead. And he's experienced this and now he's back and he's now experiencing the devastation of what happened. And and he says this, he says, there was a question that echoed into every cell of my being. And the question was, to what degree have you learned to love? So many people struggle with heaven because we don't understand um, about like what heaven is gonna be like, what's gonna happen. But so many people also struggle with heaven because we're not sure about what our relationships are gonna be like. Are our relationships gonna end here on the earth? Because here you have Jeff, on the earth when he comes back, the relationship with his wife and his 14th month old son are over. And there's many of us that that's the biggest part of what we struggle with when we lose someone or when we think of our own mortality is I love that person so much. I don't want to be without them. The, the, the pain that we're praying for JJ and his family and that we've prayed more, maybe more privately for so many of you all is, is the strength and the peace to, to no longer be with your loved one. The loss that you experience, not the pain that they experience, but the loss that you experience. Why? Because we're unsure of, do those relationships last past here on this earth? So what we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. We're also going to talk about what is the highlight of, what is the prize of heaven? 
Because I think if we will understand a little more, not just that our bodies are perfected, but a little more about eternal relationships, a little more about the location of where we're going, and a little more about the prize of this place called heaven that we're going to spend all of eternity in, then we can live better lives, more focused lives, lives that are filled with more strength and joy and peace. And we don't have to wait till heaven to experience those things. In John chapter 14, Jesus here is talking to the disciples, and in verse 1, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, I love this. Uh, 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 this may be verses that I've preached on more than any other verses I've ever preached on, and it's just hard for me to read past this without, without just making this point. Here, when Jesus says let, he's saying it's your choice. <laughs> it's your choice. You decide how troubled you allow your heart to be. Doesn't matter what happens around you, doesn't matter what happens to you, it's your decision of whether or not your heart will be troubled. He says, believe in God. Clearly, we should believe in God, right? But, but <laughs> the, the, he, he's talking to the disciples and he's telling the disciples to believe in God. Like, why would you need to tell the disciples to believe in God? Surely they believed in God. So many people that Jesus encountered in his time believed in God, but that's not the end. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. See, it's not good enough to just believe in God. There's a lot of people who believe in God that aren't going to heaven. There's a, the, the Bible even tells us that demons even believe in God. So the moment that you get to the place where you believe in God, congratulations, you're on the same level. <laughs> Wait, I'm not saying, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but to believe in Jesus is often very different than just believing in God. You can believe in God and kind of make up a lowercase g God that fits whatever you want it to do and whatever you like and whatever you don't like. But with Jesus, you really can't do that. Like Jesus, he makes things pretty clear. Um, he sets a standard that we wouldn't often set for ourselves. And he says this, in my father's house, now he's beginning to talk about heaven, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? So Jesus here, he begins to talk to him about heaven. And again, last week we talked about how our bodies will be perfected in heaven. But I, I wanna tell you this, our relationships will also be perfected in heaven. It's not just Jeff being able to recognize his wife and her touch and her voice and being able to touch her and feel her. This goes all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to Abraham and Isaac. We're told in Genesis chapter 25 that when Abraham died, um, he was gathered to his people. And we're told the same thing about Isaac when Isaac died. I love that phrase. They were gathered to their people. Like, man, I, I've been so excited about heaven since I've come to know Jesus. And for so, sometimes the wrong reasons, like, you know, streets paved with gold. And, you know, I'm going to get my own mansion. And, like, uh, man, I like that. Like, that's cool. Me and, me and some of my kids, we even, we even spend time, like, talking about, like, what's your mansion going to be like? Um, man, y'all should hear Josiah, my middle child, uh, our, our youngest son, like, his mansion. Like, I want to be in his mansion. Like... His little imagination is just taking this to a whole different thing, like walls made out of candy, and like, <laughs> like I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a, like, I'm like, man, God, scrap my mansion. I want his mansion. Um, <laughs> he's like, no cavities and no dentist, and you know, <laughs> his, his, his mansion is, is awesome. Um, it's, it's got all kind of stuff in it. Like, there's been times where like that, that's been a part of like what I was excited about. But, but I, I, I'm also excited about being gathered to my people 
for all eternity in, in a perfected way. Let me, let me tell you a little more. Like There's this study called the Kelly Study. It was conducted in 2001 at the University of Virginia. It found that 95% of the people that have encountered these NDEs, these near-death experiences, these actually you died and came back, on the other side of these near-death experiences were deceased relatives. 95% of the people they encountered were deceased relatives. And 5% were friends. 95% were relatives and 5% were friends. Now, this is just a glimpse, right? Like these people aren't going there for eternity. But in this glimpse that God has given to certain people at certain times, 95% were relatives and 5% were friends. If, you, if you're not good at math, that equals 100%. It's like 100%, like people, you, your people. We encounter our People. It's not just this book or these studies or even Abraham and Isaac, but Paul wrote extensively about eternal relationships. If you remember the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, he ends that in verse 12 by saying, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then, when is then? Then is when we get to heaven. When I get to heaven, I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. Well, when you get to heaven, if you're fully known, that, that must mean there are people, not just God, that fully know you, that know you completely, that know you in your entirety, that there, there are relationships in heaven. And in those relationships, we know fully and we're fully known. Now, some of you are like, you know, I've always wondered about heaven and now, pastor, you have completely um, made heaven unattractive to me because, <laughs> you know, I, I like to be known at the level that I'm known, the level that I want to be known, the level that I'm okay knowing. Like, I don't want to be fully known. Like, I don't think I want everybody to know everything. Like, that's going a little too far. Well, the reason that we think that's going too far is because there is sin in this world. And there is shame from that sin. And, and, and there, there are things that we just, frankly, if we're not ashamed of, we're just not proud of. But in heaven, all of those things are perfected. Isaiah chapter 25 says it this way. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. So when he wipes away the tears, he not only wipes away physically the tears, but he wipes away all that may uh, cause those tears, all of the fear, all of the anxieties, all of the hurt, all of the pain. You can be fully known in heaven and not be judged because there's perfection there. Paul also writes uh, extensively about eternal relationships in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he talks um, about words that we should uh, uh, encourage each other with, about us coming together, those who've already passed away and those who will pass away and those who will be caught up with God when he returns. And in verse 17, he says something so powerful. He says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So we will always be with the Lord and we will be caught up together with others, with our people, just like Abraham and Isaac. In Ephesians chapter three, God, uh, Paul's praying this prayer. And he, as he's praying for the prayer, he says something really powerful. He says um, that God names every family in heaven and in earth. 
So if God names, like we understand that God names our families here on the earth, but it also says God names our families in heaven. There are eternal relationships and these eternal relationships are perfected. There is no shame. There is no need for fret or worry or, or, or being scared in any way. We can be fully known and those relationships will not end here on the earth. They will be perfected in eternity. So if you've lost a father, if you've lost a mother, if you've lost a brother or sister or a friend, that is truly not the end. Here's the way that we say it. That's not a goodbye. That's a, I'll see you later. You'll see them later. And you won't just see them and recognize them and they'll be at a distance. They'll be in their candy mansion and you'll be in your candy mansion. (laughs) You'll know them fully. And they will fully know you. There's a deeper level of relationship. There's a more intimate um, um, connection that happens in heaven because of perfection. There is no more sin. And, and this is not just, um, uh, you know, your, your mansion, my mansion, you come over to mine, I'll come over to yours. But Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 22, um, verse two, he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Now, if you can imagine a king throwing a wedding feast, a wedding feast actually would have lasted like a whole week. So the king would have had a ability to provide the best. I mean, the best kind of party. And Jesus is like, this is a, a comparison of what heaven will be like. A king throwing a week-long party for his son. Um, and so if you're going to throw a good party, obviously you need some good food. And I can only imagine the food that's going to be in heaven, right? Like that's going to be just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, oh man, Hop Daddy has nothing on on the kitchen in heaven. Um, <laughs> I do wonder if they have cheeseburgers there. But... Um, Lord, maybe just in my mansion, just, uh, man, like a hop dotty conveyor belt. That would be, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> this is kind of the way it goes in my house. But you need good food. But, but also, in order to have a good party, like you need people, right? Like if you don't have people, you, then you, you can plan a good party, but it's not gonna be a good party. I need y'all to come into like a, a spiritual, righteous, holy type of party. Some of y'all's minds when some party and like, I, I, I'm talking about like a good, like, I don't know if you've ever been to a good Christian party. That's not an oxymoron. Those actually happen. They're, they're amazing. Um, but you need people. And so, so we're told that there will be people. Hebrews chapter 12, we're told that so great a cloud of witnesses, a, a, a group of people um, surround us. Not only then, but, but we'll be connected with them for eternity. In Revelation chapter seven, we're told um, that, that John looks into heaven and after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Now, this party is gonna be a diverse party. So if you don't like that, I'm just gonna leave that right there. But heaven is, it's going to be more than just an eternal party. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. There's going to be all kinds of people there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be joyous. There's going to be peace. But there will be more than that because um, we will actually have functions and jobs and work for us to do. But the difference will be, we will, it'll be the way that God has designed it from the beginning. So it won't feel like work. It will be 
uh, joyous. It will fill us with joy and accomplishment. We won't get tired from it because we're in heaven. We won't dread it because we will look forward to this kind of work, this building things that we will get to experience and and experience the fruit of. Um, Heaven is really, really difficult to explain because when we try to explain the place of heaven, we're trying to explain something like a 3D object when all we've experienced is a 2D object. So if we only know things in two dimensions, then it's really, really difficult to try to explain something that is three dimensions. It's nearly impossible. Um, But the the Bible has attempted to do that for our feeble minds, right? So in Isaiah chapter 65, Isaiah begins to prophesy and see into heaven. And he says that God creates new heavens and a new earth. And there will not only be no more weeping and God will wipe away all the tears, but there won't even be the sound of weeping and the cry of distress in heaven. It says that there will be no more um, infants living only a few days or men not living the fullness of their days. There will be no more premature death. Actually, there'll be no more death at all in heaven. It says that we will build things and we will inhabit them. We will be able to experience the, the fruit of our labor. Um, It won't go to somebody else. It also says this in verse 24 in Isaiah chapter 65, that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now, this is something that's fascinating to me about heaven and has been really illuminated in this book. When you read this book, you'll read people that say things like, I had a question when I got there. And like the moment that I had a question, I knew the answer. It was like it was downloaded. Which is like, okay, that sounds good, but is that like spiritual spooky? Is like, but no, 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 no. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, we read, we will fully know. God knows all things. This is a place of perfection. Here, Isaiah says, not only will you know, but before you ask, I will answer. So you get up there, you know, <laughs> I've had people say this, especially recently to me, like, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, a lot of people are like, man, I want to talk to Adam when I get to heaven. You don't know that story? Adam ate the fruit, which brought sin, which brought death. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, I want to talk to Adam. Like, come on, man. Why did you do, like, come on. Like, what? you know, there's some things I want to know from God, but, but it, it, we're told that we don't even have to like ask, you know, like now, like we got to ask in prayer and like, we got to wait. And it feels like we got to ask and wait and ask and wait and we don't like wait and wait and wait and wait. But there, before we even ask, we will know the answers. We will know the fullness of things. And, and then it says this, this is so good in Isaiah 65. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. There'll be no danger there. There'll be no danger in heaven. It's about the safest place that we could even imagine is heaven. Again, this is really difficult to explain. It's really difficult to articulate. But I want to challenge us um, to, to take a few moments and invest in biblically imagining what heaven will be like. Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22 give us some insight into this. Now, in first service, I asked everybody to, to if they were able to not to do this without uh, falling asleep, to close their eyes and, and listen to the reading of these verses. Um, I'm not sure if y'all can handle that. 
Can, can you, can, if you can't, if you're gonna fall asleep, keep your eyes open. If you can handle it, if, you're in a good, if you got good sleep last night and you're ready, then, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. I'm gonna read several verses about heaven. And when I read these verses, I want you not just to listen, but I want your imagination. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture yourself in this place. And you're not gonna get all the details of this, so you may imagine yourself um, hovering, floating. You, you may imagine yourself standing. You may imagine yourself flying around on a jetpack. I, I, don't, I don't care if you can fill in the details, but I want you to listen and, and imagine this place in Revelation chapter 21. Let me read some of these verses. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. What does that look like to you? Imagine that, a new heaven, a new earth where there is no sea. <laughs> I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, can you imagine him seated on the throne? He who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Then came one of the seven angels I don't know if you've ever seen an angel, but if you've never seen an angel, imagine what an angel would look like. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. How high are the mountains in heaven? And showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at, the 12, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square. Its length is the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. The city is as tall as it is wide. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure like gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it its light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations but nothing unclean will ever enter in it. 
nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were, were for the healing of the nations. And no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Can you imagine that? You can go ahead and open your eyes if you're not asleep. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the majesty and the beauty of this location, the perfection of this city <laughs> that has gold, but not gold like we know gold, because this is gold that is transparent. I don't know if you, I've never seen transparent gold. You know, when you talk about the streets paved with gold, I heard a story, I heard a story that this guy, he was uh, about to die and he, he's pleading with God. This is not like a theologically accurate story. This is just a story. And he's like, God, you know, um, man, I have so many things here. Let, let me bring something with me to heaven. And, and God's like, no, 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 you don't need to bring anything to heaven. We got it all covered. And he's like, no, 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 let me bring something. Please let me bring something to heaven. And God's like, okay, you can bring one thing. And so the guy packs up this suitcase and he gets to heaven. And, and I don't, you know, in the story, it's one of the apostles that meets him in heaven. Now, I don't, you know, um, but you know, like St. Peter's there and Peter's like, welcome into heaven. It's not really the way this goes, but <laughs> in the story, and, and he's like, what do you have there? And he's like, oh, I have this suitcase. Like, no, 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 you don't need to bring anything in here. He's like, well, God told me I could bring it. And he goes, okay, well, let me see what it is. He opened up the suitcase and it's full of plates of gold. And Peter looks confused and he's like, you, 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 you brought cement to heaven? He's like, you, you brought roads to heaven? Could you imagine how much better this is? We're like the things we value most here are the things that we walk on there. The things that are in shortage here are in abundance there. This perfect place is a place where we'll spend all eternity. As great as it is to have a perfect body, as great as it is to have perfect relationships, as great as it is to live in a beautiful, perfect place, the highlight of heaven is none of those things. Jesus gives us that in, in verse three. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. The highlight of heaven, the prize of heaven is Jesus. Like that's so much greater than a perfected body, than perfected relationships, than a perfected location. Being with Jesus for eternity is the prize. It is the goal. It is the highlight. It is the point. And you may be sitting here and you may be getting excited about that, but you may be sitting here or you may be watching or you may know people that this is not exciting because what they know about being with Jesus is not exciting. What they think being with Jesus means is coming to an eternal church service, following a bunch of rules that are hard and difficult and don't feel good. And they think following Jesus means that I have to be soft and weak and never have any fun. And he's just the biggest joy buzzkill that I've ever experienced. 
And so like spending eternity with him, what, what, why would that be exciting? Why would that be the prize? The reason that that's exciting, the reason that that's the prize, the reason that that's the highlight is because you don't understand what it actually means to be with Jesus. What it means to be with Jesus is to be in a place of strength, to be in a place of power, to be in a place of comfort and peace. You've never had fun like the fun that you'll have with Jesus. Because the fun that you have with Jesus doesn't have any negative repercussions. You don't wake up the next morning wondering what it is that you did or didn't do. You don't wonder what the negative consequences are gonna be. You don't wonder whether or not she's pregnant or whether or not he's gonna stay. You don't have to wonder about <laughs> Jesus is so much different than how so many believers perceive him. And that's not just dangerous for now. That's dangerous for our eternity. Because if we fail to realize that Jesus is the prize of heaven, then we can begin to try to build better bodies through supplements and nutrition and exercise. And we can try to build better relationships through all the self-help and coaching and and we can try to create perfect locations. I mean, just go on YouTube and look at some of the mansions that are out there and the homes that these people, like, we can try to create all this stuff. But what you will never be able to duplicate in any way is the presence of Jesus. The peace and the power and the comfort and the assurance that comes with being in his presence. I don't have time, but I can promise you Jesus is not weak. He's not soft. He's not a buzzkill. He, he, he's not any of those things. He is the very thing that, that you were created to worship. He is the, the very person that fulfills you and completes you. He is what you actually desire, whether you realize it or not. And he says, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you, but the best thing is I'm gonna come again and I'm gonna take you and we will be together. And he's love. And this love, we, we read it in this book, Imagine Heaven, we read it through the scriptures, this love encompasses us. So we're with him and, and we sense and we feel this, this complete and total love that not only surrounds us, but fills us from the inside. This unspeakable love. This, this love that is so amazing that this, the descriptions of this felt love uh, experienced in heaven are so strong that it removes all desire to return back to earth. It's why this dad didn't want to come back to his car, even though he knew he still had a son still alive. Because this place, this love is so perfect that it feels more at home than anything here. So far greater than anything that we've experienced here. We don't want to come back here. It's so complete that we experience complete and total peace. It's so powerful that we live in joy unspeakable and it all comes from Jesus. Jesus says, and you know the way where I'm going and Thomas, <laughs> if you know anything about Thomas, this is so Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? Like if we don't know where you're going, we definitely don't know the way. We don't, we don't know either. And, and Jesus answers it for Thomas. He answers it for the disciples and he answers it for us. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus told that story about the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven being like this king who throws a party for his son, 
He goes on in that story to say that there were many people who were invited that didn't show up. So just because you're invited doesn't mean that you make it to the wedding feast. Doesn't mean that you make it to the party. Just because you're invited to heaven doesn't mean that you actually make it to heaven. There are many people that won't make it. There are many people who go through the motions and play and pretend who will come to a day and a moment of reckoning where they realize my heart was never submitted to him. I was invited to the party, but I'm not yet accepted my invitation to the party. Let's make sure that we are people who believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We know in Romans chapter 10 that it tells us that if we will confess with our mouth and we'll believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. So, so it's not about the confession. We can all judge the confession. We can hear the confession, but what we can't judge, and what you have to judge is your heart. You can say it with your mouth, but do you believe it in your heart? Because the ticket into this eternal perfection is, is, is the belief the belief in Jesus. And this Romans chapter 10, this prayer that we so often pray, and we're gonna encourage you to pray in just a moment if you haven't already prayed it, is really the starting point. It's not the end all be all. It's the, it's the entryway. It's getting your ticket to this wedding feast, to this party. And, and, and now, to order, in order to get there, you are required to lay down your life and to submit your life to following him and, and living for him. And if you will do that, And you're promised not just to see your loved ones again, but you're promised perfection for eternity. Greater than that, you're promised to be with Jesus for eternity. Our bodies will be perfected. Our relationships will be perfected. Our location will be perfected. But the real highlight is spending eternity with Jesus. Imagining the perfection that awaits us fuels the weight for that very perfection. So let's biblically imagine heaven and the perfection of those relationships. We don't have to be worried about if we're gonna see him again. We don't have to worry about if that's gonna be different. It'll be perfected. We don't have to worry about is this place better than that place. It's no contest. And we can imagine what it'll be like to be with Jesus every moment for eternity, to have your guy there having your back, supporting you, cheering you on, empowering you, forgiving you. I mean, not gonna need forgiveness there because there's no sin, there's no need for forgiveness. There's no shame, there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no bills. We said this last week, there's no in-laws, there's no marital strife, there's no worry for your kids or for your grandkids, there's no uncertainty about tomorrow, there's no work to pay your bills, to work to pay your bills, to work to pay your bills. You're walking on gold. <laughs> like, but we need to Im- biblically imagine this in order to fuel our weight here for that very perfection. Let me pray for us. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512 512- Five two zero zero one eight five. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.